Good Monday afternoon, guys. I'm Jerry Miller, and this is the I Love Seville Show. It's great to be with you on a fantastic start of the week in our building, the Macklin Building, in downtown Charlottesville on Market Street. That is Denise Lunsford right there, Judah Wickhauer, getting out of a very nice Mercedes-Benz convertible, um, a fantastic litigator and an and attorney, and one-time elected um, civil servant. Eric Parker across the way as well of, uh, is Eric Parker Morgan Stanley? The financier Eric Parker watching the program. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, give the show a like and a share anywhere you are watching this fine and fair talk show. Johnny Ornalis, Tom uh, Stargell, Vanessa Parkhill, welcome to the show. Today's program, you can see the headlines on screen. We'll talk Albemarle County Public Schools cutting the learning. It's, it's, it's almost as like an oxymoron. It's almost like the Albemarle County public school system is run by, is it the Three Stooges? Yeah. I, I, what, what are the name of the Three Stooges, Judah Wickhauer? Let's, let's welcome Judah Wickhauer in on Three Stooges. So what, you had Harry? It's Harry one. Curly? Right? Mo? Right? No, Larry. Larry. Larry, Curly, and Moe, right? Yeah. I'm going to ask you guys a sincere and legitimate question. Are the Albemarle County Public Schools run by Larry, Curly, and Moe? Moe, Curly, and Larry. Curly, Moe, and Larry. They legitimately are cutting classes. They're cutting learning yeah. within the Albemarle County Public Schools. Cutting learning... Within a school system, Judah, I, I, you're going to have to help me understand this, okay? I, I, I count on you as a voice of reason, my friend. I mean, don't they? I, I, I've, it's been a long time since I was in uh, high school. Don't they have a There class? goes the mayor. You see him? I do. I see him Daily. fairly often, considering that he lives right, he works straight down the hall. 30 feet from us. Cutting learning within Albemarle County Public Schools. Parents, you should be outraged. There should be an outcry. This is outlandish, outrageous, cutting learning. We'll tell you the story on today's program. What was your thought there, J. Dobbs? Uh, don't they have something like that already? What, chill time? Dylan's rule, welcome to the show. They're cutting a class, going from eight classes to seven classes, and replacing the class with chill time. Don't they already? Yeah, wasn't there like? Isn't there like a study hall? Is that still a thing? Is that not a thing anymore? I I don't know. I honestly don't know. I've. Uh, I also know that probably different schools do different things in different states. Uh, but um, we had study hall when I was when I was in junior high and high school. Chill time for us in 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 school was getting to school early, or hanging out with your friends after school. Or at nights or on the weekends or during sports. Chill time was not during the actual school year. Now the exact the exact name of this, currently children's in grades 10 through 12 take eight classes per semester. Almoral County Public Schools administration is 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 implementing a seven plus one plan, which would eliminate one class and replace it with non-academic time. The non-academic time, the administration says, would resemble freshman seminar, an unpopular mandatory scheduled block that focuses on relationship building and the social, emotional, and career development needs of students. There's a Google site, a, a Google site that has now offered two blog posts of commentary. I'll share this link. It's done by anonymous writers who are committed to our community, if you may, and they're offering their perspective anonymously on the public school system. I'm going to share this link, Judah. In fact, if you could share that link in the comment, and you know what, I'll share it right now on my personal Facebook page. I just shared it on my personal Facebook page, ladies and gentlemen. It's in the comments section under this show. So you go to my personal Facebook page, look in the comments section under this show, and you'll find it. I will also share it in the I Love Seville group. Tom Stargell, the Golden Apple Award winner, is watching. So is the Queen of Ivy, 
Kate Schartz. Welcome, valued viewers and listeners to the program. If you're watching on the I Love Seville group, Facebook group, it's there. I will now share a Judah Wickhauer on the I Love Seville Facebook page as we speak. Then I'll put it on Twitter and on LinkedIn. Explain to me chill time. And, and let me take it a step further. Let me take it a step further. Right now, the, the county students, J-Dubs, can use their cell phones on school grounds, right? They get, there's no ban on cell phones in Almaro County Public Schools. The administrators, Larry, Curley, and Moe, Moe, Larry, and Curley, Dr. Haas's cabinet, have indicated that this chill time, this seminar where there's no classes, is an opportunity for students to get socially engaged with each other, right? How the heck are they going to get socially engaged when there's no ban on cell phones within Almaro County Public Schools? Ladies and gentlemen, what do we think teenagers are going to do if they're not in class? They're going to spend more time on their phones. They're not going to spend time socializing and chattering and making human connection. They're going to spend time on TikTok and on Snapchat. Or playing video games on their phones. Someone proved me wrong. I've now shared this on the Twitter thread under this, sh under this show. And I'll share this in the comments section of my personal LinkedIn as well. The show is going viral. The show is going viral right now. I also want to cover on today's program the potential for 245 apartments manifesting getting created, being birthed, being developed down by the river, across from the Riverside, Riverside Lunch, next to Hogwaller Brewing. My family enjoyed, my family and I enjoyed a, a fantastic outing at Hogwaller Brewing, Judah Wickhauer. 245 apartments are looking very likely now. In fact, Lloyd Snook was quoted in the Daily Progress as saying, this likely will materialize. Bo Carrington, Wendell Wood, their joint venture for 245 apartments down by the river, kind of right next to Hogwaller Brewing Company. In fact, Bo Carrington and his team, they purchased the old um, Double Horseshoe Saloon. And that Double Horseshoe Saloon, J-Dubs, is going to be a, an entry or a gateway to the 245 apartments down by the river. So many community stakeholders were, were pissed. They were irked. They were flummoxed, flabbergasted, angry that 245 apartments would be built in a floodplain, what is commonly known as an area of a 100-year flood, these 245 apartments. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> Lloyd Snook was in the Daily Progress, quoted in the Progress, friend of the program, his law firm 30 feet away from us. We just let it, literally watched him walk by Lloyd Snook as Denise Lunsford was going in the other direction. The I Love Seville studio is the epicenter of the movers and shakers in downtown Charlottesville and in Charlottesville and Central Virginia in totality. We, we read the article in the Daily Progress, J-Dubs. There's Lunsford. And it very much looks like this is going to happen. There was chitter-chatter at one time that the city was going to buy this land from Wendell Wood and turn it into a, into a park. Mm -hmm. There was chatter at one time that the city was going to keep this from happening, this development, these 245 apartments. I just shared chill time in Almoral County cutting one of the classes in the comment sections of my personal LinkedIn if you'd like to read it. I think this is going to happen. We'll talk about that on today's show. I also want to chatter on today's show, Tent Town. We talked about Tent Town on Friday on the I Love Seville show. Sam Sanders inexplicably approved the lifting of the Market Street Park curfew. Not only did Sam Sanders, the city manager of Charlottesville, Virginia, approve the lifting of the curfew in Lee Park, Freedom Park, Emancipation Park, Market Street Park, the park formerly known as Lee. But he legitimately <clears throat> said, we want our houseless population to live there in tents. He welcomed them. He said he wants them to live there? He rolled out a red carpet and said, we have to do something to better support our houseless population, 
I'm going to lift the curfew. I have no problem if people sleep in a public park, despite it not being a campground, despite it being the park of most prestige and pedigree and notoriety, right next to the courts, right next to the police department, right next to the hedge funds, the family offices, the law firms, and literally within spitting distance of the most important eight blocks in the city of Charlottesville, arguably the most important eight blocks in a 300,000-person region we call Central Virginia, the downtown mall. Ladies and gentlemen, Sam Sanders has made his first... You know, i got to stand up for what I believe in. I think his first terrible decision... And, and, and this is going to villainize the homeless. As folks in this community say, why are they here? They're going to look at them very differently. And it's going to handcuff the police, pun intended, and keep them from doing their jobs. Yeah, I don't see them going anywhere near the park after this. I, I empathize with the Charlottesville Police Department. Why would they go anywhere near the park after this? This is basically what's happened to the Charlottesville Police Department in the last week since someone spoke before a council meeting on Monday night. Judith, it hasn't even been seven days yet. On Monday night before city council, this past Monday, seven days ago, a local activist told council that she watched a Charlottesville police officer allegedly kick a homeless man to wake him up because it was past curfew and he cannot sleep in the park. This was when there was an actual curfew. She said that. There was no other eyewitness account by one person, Judah. I don't think there was ever a curfew. There was a curfew. There's signs there. 11 o'clock. Just because there was a curfew, though, doesn't mean that they were actually kicking people out. Because I've, I've never... I've gone by there at night and seen the... the past 11 o'clock? Yeah, the tents. Before, uh, before we started talking about the... Uh, before Sam Sanders' decision, I happened by there one time and I saw the tents were still there. Past like, 11 p.m.? Yeah, it was at night. I, past 11 p.m. is the curfew. Was it past 11 p.m.? I think so. You're certain on that? Not so certain anymore, but okay. yeah, it was, All right. it was All right. late. We've got to speak with confidence and conviction, my friend. Okay. This is the news for Charlottesville and Central Virginia. Words All matter. Right. 11 o'clock, the curfew. It's on a sign on the park. Are you sure it's not earlier than that? No. I know some of the parks it's earlier than that, or at least it used to be. No. No. And someone speaks before council and says, I watched this activist, a police officer, kick a homeless man to wake him up. Only one person said that. And then Chief Cotchis, I saw him today, the George Clooney of policing. Chief Cotchis deserves 85 gold stars. The man's done incredible work for this community in a short time. Chief Cotchis, I think a local celebrity the George Clooney of policing, Chief Kotcha said, we will do an investigation to see what happened. And before the investigation even had a chance to get concluded or finish, Sam Sanders says, you know what? The investigation is still ongoing. I'm just going to pull this curfew and say there's no curfew, and I'm going to let people sleep in the park. I'm still blown away by the fact that someone could actually think that the, those two were, have anything to do with each other. Uh, why would you make that? I mean, I, if he wants to make that decision, let him make that decision. That's his decision to make. But don't say that it's don't don't imply or say that it has anything to do with a cop allegedly kicking a homeless person. Because I don't see how that decision has any correlation to that. I'm also curious as to what this woman was doing if the cop was trying to wake someone up. After a curfew, which you've stated is 11 p.m., what was this woman doing at the park at 11 p.m. or later? I mean, I have no problem if somebody's walking by the park after 11 p.m. I didn't say I had a problem with it. That's a free country. Yeah. I mean, if she I didn't say I had a problem with it. As long as she's on Market Street, she could walk. She could see what's happening. Yeah. I mean, Possibly. I guess, you know, and we'll go to our next topic here. My, and Katie Pearl, we'll get to your, your comments. Suzanne Daly, we'll get to your comments. Marquise Johnson, those comments will not be read on air. If you're not going to have comment under respect, Marquise Johnson, you'll just be ignored on this show. Being straightforward. You, if you're the city manager, 
and you have an active investigation going with your police force, you should let the investigation finish. Because if you just make a decision before the investigation is concluded, you've marginalized your police officers and basically trumped or superseded any of their decision-making, their influence, their policing capabilities. He must realize he's marginalizing the officers and the department in totality by saying, I'm just going to go ahead and make a decision no matter what the investigation yields. Well, it sounds like he doesn't care about the investigation one way or the other. Which is a problem. Which is a problem. We have chains of command. A city is run through chains of command. And I understand Sam Sanders is the CEO, but does he see the forest through the trees in this decision? This is what Sam Sanders has done. He's marginalized the police. He's handcuffed the police. He's made the most prestigious and park of highest pedigree tent town. It's a homeless encampment. The majority of the Charlottesville and Almoral County and Central Virginia community will now see the homeless in Market Street Park as villains as opposed to empathizing with them because they're going to be like, why are these folks in a public park? It's not a campground. It's not a homeless shelter. They're in a public park and they're hurting the economy. They're hurting foot traffic, the brand that is Charlottesville, and negatively impacting quality of life. It's villainized the homeless. Hmm. Sam Sanders, this is a blunder of tremendous proportions. We'll talk about it on today's show. I also want to chitter-chatter on today's program, the Virginian Restaurant, the 100-year anniversary of the Virginian Restaurant. Yeah. The Virginian on the corner, the longest-standing restaurant in Central Virginia, the longest-standing restaurant in Charlottesville, the longest-running restaurant in Almoral County. A hundred straight years for this icon. I have a personal story I will relay about the Virginian restaurant and its owner, friend of the program, Andy McClure, on today's show. I want to talk the 245 apartments on Rivanna River today. I want to talk UVA football falling to 0-4 on the season. I'm legitimately wondering if UVA is going to win a single game this year. Tony Elliott's won three games, and he's been on the job. This is his second season. How Virginia football lost the game on Friday night on national television, whether we want to admit this or not, was embarrassing, terribly embarrassing. Penalties at the end of the contest cost the Hoos a victory, and that's directly on the coach's shoulders. We'll read your comments as well. So if you have any perspective you'd like to hear on the show, put them in the comment section, put them in the Twitter thread, anywhere you are watching, and I will relay them live on air. But Judo, we, we, we must talk about, and I can't believe I'm even saying this, Almaro County... Almaro County Public Schools thinks it's to the betterment of its students, Judah, cutting a class in a new 7 plus 1 plan that will eliminate one period of learning and Judah replaced the period with what is called a social-emotional Relationship building time. That's, that's called chill time. Chillax, relax, chill. Hang out with your buddies. Chitter chatter. What do we think? What do we think the students are going to do? There's no ban on phones in Almaro County Public Schools. The teachers are already saying that the students are spending time on their phones during the actual classes. What's going to happen when they don't have a class, a period's eliminated altogether, and now the students get an unsupervised window to do whatever they want? This type of decision-making 
by Dr. Matthew Haas and his cabinet is akin to the type of decision-making of Sam Sanders, the city manager of Charlottesville. They are fostering lawlessness. They are fostering a lack of accountability. They are fostering an ecosystem or a world or a window where the inmates or the patients rule the jail and the asylum. Teachers and administrators should always be supervising students. Police officers should always be supervising citizens, or at least policing them. Sam Sanders has taken a huge block of real estate in downtown Charlottesville and legitimately made it the wild, wild west. And now Dr. Haas and his cabinet have taken a period, an entire class, and said, we're going to do away with learning. We're going to create less learning at Albemarle County Public Schools. We're going to eliminate one class and replace it with non-academic time, a.k.a. chill time. Judah, help me understand this. The community relies on you, Judah. Help me understand this, please. I mean, I don't know where it says anything about chill time, but um, definitely going to have, apparently students are going to have fewer options for the courses. Uh, The period is focused on relationship building. They're doing away with the class, one course, and replacing it with student relationship building. Okay. What do you describe student relationship building as? For me, that sounds like you're chilling with your buddies. Okay. How do you build relationships if you're not chilling with your buddies? I couldn't say without, uh, without seeing it in action. What, what is relationship building? Isn't that chilling with your homies? Uh, I guess so. So that seems like chill time to me. Okay. No, I mean, I, I'm, I'm very curious. And the viewers and listeners are chiming in left and right faster than I can keep up. Judah, thoughts, please. I mean, I thought, like I said before, I thought that was, uh, I thought that's what you called study hall. Anything else you want to offer there? Um, I mean, it's a shame that... Uh, Apparently, apparently that it's going to affect the staff, the teachers, as well as the students. Um, there will be. Uh, it just overall seems like uh, a foray into into experimentation without any uh, without any actual plan plan of attack, which is I don't know. Uh, Seems like we need a little more, uh, a little more to go on than than just you know experimentation. Doctor Haas, the superintendent of Almaro County Public Schools, is doing the same thing that Sam Sanders, the city manager of Charlottesville, is doing. Doctor Haas and Sam Sanders are making decisions without evidence, without data, without facts, without common sense. What happens if you take a park, you remove the curfew, and you tell the homeless population they can live here in tents and no one's going to get them kicked out of the tents in the park? Of course what's going to happen is it turns into tent town and more homeless will come in tents and live in the park that's called common sense what happens if you take eight classes for Albemarle County students and you cut them down to seven classes for Albemarle County students and you replace the eighth class with chill time of course there will be lawlessness And of course, there will be piss-poor academic performance. 
Ladies and gentlemen, viewers and listeners of all shapes and sizes of our fine and fair talk show, what I'm explaining on this show is not the explanation of a rocket scientist or anyone intelligent. I am just cutting through the BS and offering you commentary backed in common sense. Commentary rooted in common sense. The teachers are already complaining that the students are staying on their phones way too much during class time when teachers are actually in the front of the classroom in a position of authority. What do we think is going to happen with these students when there is no teacher to police or to watch what the students are doing? Of course they're going to spend more time on their phones. It's not going to be social development. It's going to be TikTok development. It's going to be, there's Letty B in right there, the retired colonel. We love you, Letty. We love you. It's lawlessness. We can write and make a direct correlation and write and provide commentary that what Sam Sanders and Dr. Matthew Haas are doing are knee-jerk reactions that are fostering worsen quality of life for students and citizens, parents and taxpayers alike. No one wants Market Street Park to be Tent Town. Or San Francisco. Or Portland. Or Seattle. And no parents want their kids pulled out of class so they can spend more time on TikTok. Mark Glickman jumping in the mix. More and more children have social anxiety, Glick says, which already makes just going to school difficult. I can tell you what's going to happen during this period. Nothing good or productive. More likely, more social anxiety and time on their phones. Mark Lickman, this is for you. 100% agree with you, Glick. 100% agree. Prove me wrong, Judah. Please, be the voice of reason if you think I'm reading this wrong. Prove you wrong. I mean, I, I've got one one article from someone who clearly doesn't like the idea of this to go on. So without, oh, it's a group of parents. I know the people behind this. By the okay. way, I've shared this in the comment section of all the Facebook pages. I know who wrote this. Okay, I, that doesn't change what I was saying. So they're they're highlighting. Because the local news is 22-year-olds fresh out of college without the institutional memory or ties to reporting. They stay 18 months and then go on to different jobs and larger markets because the pay is miserable in this community when it comes to news and journalism. We're talking 12, 13 bucks an hour. So a group of parents has galvanized their intellectual resources and is now writing commentary through an anonymous Google website. Mm. I would have liked this group of parents to utilize their name, but I understand the scarlet letter that they feared could follow, the backlash that could follow in a very one-party region. But I don't have those fears. And that's why you watch and listen to this talk show, because I cut through the crap, have thick skin, and have the, do not have those fears. We have a school system eliminating school. I, I, I want you to realize what is happening, moms and dads that are watching this show. ACPS is a public school system, and they're eliminating school. John Blair offers this perspective. Jerry, would this time period be better used for the stated purposes, social de development, or perhaps using the time period to provide high dosage tutoring to students who are struggling with the SOLs and other areas identified by teachers? 
JB's got a problem with this. He's got a son in ACPS. He's openly said that on this show. Being a teacher right now, and did you read in the article that the cause and effect of cutting a class period is also that other classes will be more crowded now? Yeah. You read that, right? Yeah. The student-teacher ratio, when they cut this course, the student-teacher ratio with an ACPS will worsen. Did yeah. you also read that when they cut this class, there will be less curriculum diversity? Did you see that? Mm -hmm. That means students will have less, fewer subjects to choose from, yeah. to pursue from an education standpoint. Right. So by cutting a period, they're doing this. Students will spend more time on their phones, A. Students will have less accountability with teachers, B. Students will have more social anxiety, dozens of parents have highlighted on the show already, C. Students will have less subject matter to choose from, D. Class sizes will get worse. The student-teacher ratio will get worse, E. Yeah. SOL scores and SOL performances will worsen because there's less learning. F. And the next generation of students that's educated by ACPS will come out. Versus previous generations? How do I characterize it in fair and simplistic fashion? They will come out less... What's the word I should use? I don't know. Well-rounded? Well-rounded, informed intelligent, capable, prepared for life? Quite possibly. Job ready? Intellectually sophisticated? Parents, the word that should be in your brain right now is outrage. Taxpayers in the city of Charlottesville, the word that should be in your brain right now is outrage. The city manager has put Tent Town ahead of the downtown mall. The city manager has put Tent Town ahead of an active police investigation. The city manager has put Tent Town ahead of economic development. The city manager has put Tent Town ahead of quality of life. The city manager is going to villainize the homeless with Tent Town as citizens walk by this park on a daily basis, tens of thousands of cars drive by Market Street Park every day. You know why I know that, Judah? I do not. Because the I Love Seville Studios on Market Street Park. And I check out the V dot, I check out the car data that drives by. You know why? Because that's one of the reasons I chose to buy this storefront for the visibility. We're in the branding business, right? I'm pretty sure I considered what putting the I Love Sevo brand around a storefront window when tens of thousands of cars drive by Market Street and thousands of patrons walk down Market Street before buying this storefront. I knew that data. Tent Town. Tent Town is to chill time as Dr. Haas is to Sam Sanders. How's that for an analogy for you? John Blair, Mark Lickman, Suzanne Daly, Katie Pearl, Kate Sharks, Jason Howard, Juan Diego Wade, Brian Pinkston, Natalie Austrin, Leah Perrier, Michael Payne, Lloyd Snook, Kate Sharks, that's brilliant. Kate Sharks, the Queen of Ivy, says, she's a friend in the program. That was a hell of a text message you sent this morning, Kate Sharks. She says, why not offer a life skills class? How to do taxes, balance your bank account, investments. What is a 401k? I wish someone had taught me those things when I was younger. Did you have anybody no teach you that, Judah, when you were younger? Hell no. You know who taught me that? I do not. My dad. 
My brother and I have been trading stocks and equities since we were in third or fourth grade, thanks to my dad. Very nice. He gave us a couple of hundred dollars and said, here's the stock page when it was in newspapers. Came out each day, pick some stocks, invest in them, and I'll trade them for you, and you can reap the benefits. Our dad taught us how to balance a checkbook, how to pay our bills, the value proposition of maxing out a 401k, using employers' max money to its fullest potential. Our dad taught us about holding, buying, and selling, how to do real estate investment, how to broker business deals, how to file our taxes, how to buy and sell cars. But not everyone has that luxury. Not every student has that luxury. So why not change chill time, which is just going to be, let's send Snapchats and TikToks to each other, to home ec or financial ec. Forget home ec. It should be financial ec. Balance your checkbook. Pay your bills. Do your 401k. Buy a house. This is how a loan works. Wouldn't you find out for the first time how stocks and equities work, Judah? Or a mortgage to buy a house? Wouldn't you learn about this truly for the first time? Uh, it wasn't at school. Kate Charts, how to make a resume. What is the reason for the switch, Carly Wagner asks? Staff shortages, Carly Wagner asks? If so, that's not a solution to this problem, only creates a different problem. Aren't there a minimum number of instructional hours required by the state? I'll give you the reason for the switch, viewers and listeners, of our fine and fair talk show. Look at the link if you want to read the analysis done by extremely reputable people. I won't dox them. This is what they say. Why would a school division intentionally cut learning, the parents write? Mental health, says the administration. The plan's goal is to ensure that academic time demands placed on students allow them adequate time to pursue their personal interests, including enrichment activities, lifelong learning, and career goals. In short, chill time in place of academic time. If you give teenagers an inch, they will take a mile. I am seeing that with our five-and-a-half-year-old. Our five-and-a-half-year-old persuaded my wife and I this weekend. I'll tell a story, okay? Our five-and-a-half-year-old, who's precocious, mischievous, high energy, very well-spoken, somewhat of a manipulator, well-read, athletic, likable, and a leader. That's our five-and-a-half-year-old. Mm -hmm. Our five-and-a-half-year-old said to my wife and I, if, we, if I'm good, mom and dad, will you buy me a bag of marshmallows? I like a bag of the big marshmallows and a bag of the small marshmallows. If I'm good, will you get these for me? And look, I'm a, I'm a dad. I love him. I'm, I'm soft when it comes to our boys. My wife, she's not soft like me. And I said immediately, yeah, son, you're good. I'll get you a bag of marshmallows. You know what? He didn't even have to be good. I was going to still buy him those marshmallows. One of the reasons I work 70 hours a week is because I want to provide for my boys. There's nothing I'd rather do in life. There's many things I'd like to do in life when it comes to our boys. But I work so hard and have accumulated all these bricks in this building and these condos because I want to give, to my, give them to my kids. Put me on a one-shot. Am I on a one-shot? You are now. I want to give this building and these condo investments to our boys. And my wife hates it. She's like, don't bring that up to them. 
don't tell them this. So of course I was going to buy them the marshmallows. We go to Giant on Pantops. We buy them the big bag. We buy them the bag of the big marshmallows. You know the real big ones? So big that you can, a five-year-old can grab a marshmallow and hold them in his hand. One marshmallow. Then we buy them the bag of the little marshmallows. These little marshmallows, he could probably hold 10 or 12 of them in his hand. And we take these marshmallows and we bring them home to our house. He was good on Saturday. On Saturday, we ran errands, Costco, and Lowe's. We got a haircut. He got a number one fade for a haircut. And nice and tight across the front. He sat in that chair and the barber was using the clippers a little too hard on his head. And he turned to the grown-ass barber, a friend of mine, his name is Christian, Christian Salon behind Coors Brothers on Route 29. And he turned to Christian and he said, this shows you the moxie he has. He said, Mr. Christian, you're pushing too hard with those clippers on my head. Can you please use that technique in softer fashion? A five and a half year old to a grown man says, Mr. Christian, you're pushing too hard on my head with those clippers. Can you please use that technique in softer fashion? He's five and a half years old. I'm sitting next to him watching this entire thing play out and I don't even speak up. But inside, I'm beaming with pride because I watch my little boy stand up for himself in respectful fashion with manners, using big words for a five and a half year old. And then Mr. Christian looked at him, he giggled, and he goes, Sure thing, no problem. After that, we went to Dairy Market. We got a pizza from Dino's on Saturday. We had, my wife and I, a couple of beers at Star Hill, and we watched the Clemson and Florida State football game at Star Hill while eating Dino's pizza. Our five-and-a-half-year-old played by himself for a couple of hours with the toys that were at Star Hill. They have these Lego blocks. Our 10-month-old slept literally like a baby, pun intended, while my wife and I cheersed each other and said, oh my gosh, we have a glimmer of the good life here, our five-and-a-half-year-old playing by himself with blocks building Lego towers, and our 10-month-old is sleeping, and we're having Sonic Hazes, no, the Ramble On, while eating pizza and watching the Clemson-Florida State game. Then we go home on Saturday evening. Bedtime went real well. Sunday we wake up. I play a little squash. I bring our oldest to squash. I hit the ball around with him at the board set. I play with my buddies, doubles on Sundays. And then we're like, you know what? Let's go to Hogwaller Brewing Company on High Street for lunch and beers. My wife and I go there. We bring our boys. We get burgers, a pretzel, french fries. Hogwaller is not brewing its own beer yet. They have guest beers on tap, so we had two main lunches each. The main lunch IPA is dynamite. It's dynamite. And our oldest was good the entire time. He was playing cornhole with the other kids. He was interacting with a German shepherd. He was hanging out in the beer garden, and he was just being a good boy. And on our way home Sunday from Hogwaller Brewing Company, we're like, Trey, you've, owned, you've earned these marshmallows. Let's go get you a big bag of marshmallows and a little bag of marshmallows. And you know what I did? I said, wow, this kid really impressed me. And I said, Trey, I'm going to open these marshmallows, the big bag and the little bag. I'm going to go let Max, our German shepherd, out, and Mom and I are going to put your little brother to bed. Don't eat too many marshmallows. We came downstairs. We came downstairs. And our oldest had eaten at least a third of the bag of the big, there goes David Thomas, the Mickey Hamlet litigator. Our oldest had eaten a third of the bag of the big marshmallows. And half 
of the bag of the little marshmallows. Damn. A five and a half year old literally ate his weight in marshmallows, not literally, but figuratively. And the reason I'm relaying this story to you is a five and a half year old proved to us yet again, if you give him an inch, he will take a mile. And that's what happens when you give a five and a half year old an inch without accountability. And accountability is parental supervision. The same thing applies to high schoolers within Almaro County Public Schools. If you give them an inch, they will take a mile. If you say, we're going to remove a period of learning from the school system every day and replace it with what is, air quotes, social development time, you're giving them an inch to allow them to take a mile. There's going to be no accountability or teacher supervision. It's the same thing with the houseless population in Market Street Park. Let's remove the curfew and let's eliminate all laws in reason for this parcel of land in downtown Charlottesville next to the courthouses, by the police station, by the downtown mall, by the finance firms, the hedge funds, and the family offices. What do you think is going to happen? Let's weave Judah Wickhauer in on a two-shot. The last time Charlottesville, Virginia allowed Market Street Park to turn into tent town was the Occupy Charlottesville movement. Remember Occupy Wall Street, yep. Judah? <clears throat> Occupy Wall Street started having its own subdivisions or its branches of the movement in cities all over the country. This was 12 years ago. Occupy Wall Street manifested itself in Charlottesville as Occupy Charlottesville in this park. Mm. And for months, there was no curfew. There was lawlessness. There was tent town. And what went initially as a homeless encampment turned into an open-air drug market. Mm. Needles. Rapes, violence, fighting, lawlessness. And before I go on to the next topic, I'm going to use the analogy again. Chill time is to tent town as Dr. Haas is to Sam Sanders. Parallels with leadership in our communities. And unfortunately, what you should not do, and the cause and effect of this is going to be piss poor academic performance for students, more social anxiety for students, more cell phone use for students. The, piss, the, the cause and effect of this for Tent Town is going to be homeless, villainized. The police handcuffed and economic activity and vitality impacted negatively in downtown Charlottesville. And it makes me sad. Let's go to the next topic. In fact, I'll go to your comments first before I get to the next topic. Comments are coming in faster than we can keep up with, and we very much appreciate you. We appreciate the many watching on Twitter. Dylan's Rule and Ginny Who, we very much appreciate you watching over there. This from Coach B, Michael Buchensky. If all they want to do is use their phones and the school will not ban phones during the school day, then offer a class to teach them how to use social media to earn income. Teach them the truth about how to monetize YouTube, TikTok, and show how truly difficult it is. Maybe it will be less attractive for them. Carly Wagner responds to Michael Buchensky, Save everyone time. Here's the point. It's not a reliable career choice. More likely to be a professional athlete or win the lottery. 
I use this statistic. Michael Buczewski's response to Carly Wagner, true and I agree, but telling kids to do something versus letting them experience it can hold more weight. Here's the statistic I use all the time. Central Virginia Judah is a 300,000 person market Judah. Okay. There is one person doing social media influencing as a professional career in a 300,000 person market and you're looking and listening to him. Find me one other person in Central Virginia, a market of 300,000 people that is doing social media influencing to pay his mortgage, Judas. Are you on a two-shot? Uh, we are now. This man's mortgage is paid by social media influencing Judah Wickhours. This man's paycheck every two weeks is paid by this. His car payment is paid by this. Our mortgage is paid in part by social media influencing. There is one team in Central Virginia doing this. Find me a single one besides us. How about you tell that to your parent, to your students? In fact, I'm doing a talk, and I don't do any talks for free. I'm doing a talk on Thursday at Real Estate 3 for all the agents at 12 o'clock at the Hillsdale Conference Center. The Real Estate 3 agents about the future of their business. Almaro County Public Schools, Charlottesville Public Schools, Fluvanna County Public Schools, any of the private schools out there, I don't do talks for free. If you want to pay our full freight, I'll get up in front of your entire student body and explain to you the difficulties of being a social media influencer and the likelihood of you actually making a living doing this. And that leads me to the topic on the Virginian restaurant. The Virginian restaurant just celebrated its 100-year anniversary. The longest-running restaurant in Charlottesville, in Almaro County, and in Central Virginia is a teeny, tiny restaurant on the UVA corner. I launched this business over 15 years ago, in May of 2008, during a recession. I took my life savings, literally my life savings, to put into this business in May of 2008. I went from a career where I was writing a five-day-a-week story in the Daily Progress, hosting two television shows on NBC29, Varsity Lights with Jerry Miller and The Jerry Miller Show, and hosting a five-day-a-week syndicated talk show on ESPN Radio, The Jerry Miller Show on 13 ESPN affiliates, and then I did a pregame show on Saturdays on those same affiliates. So six days of syndicated radio, five days of a column in the newspaper, and two days of having TV bearing my name on NBC29, working my ass off, waking up at 4.30 in the morning, but I was making some good money for a 28-year-old. I was making like a buck 30, buck 35 at the time. And I said at the time, I am not going to do this anymore. And my parents, my girlfriend at the time, and two of my buddies did an intervention. And basically, they begged me and pleaded to not quit what I was doing to launch a business. And I said, I'm going to take my life savings, which was just under 40K at the time, and I'm going to put it into a business where we're going to utilize social media to build brand awareness for companies and help them make incremental revenue. This was when Facebook was brand new and people were using Facebook to hook up with girls and guys and to only share photos of their food. But I saw an opportunity to use digital and social media marketing to build brand awareness for businesses and to monetize that concept. You want to know what happened? I'll tell you what happened. For six effing months, I did not get a single client. Every client I talked to for six straight months said, all Facebook is for is picking up chicks and picking up dudes and sharing photos of food and nothing else. Not a single client for six months. My entire life savings dwindled down to nothing. 
I invited my buddy Shannon and my buddy Tom to rent two rooms for me at the Villas at Southern Ridge, my condo at the time. If they had not have said yes, I would have defaulted on the mortgage and lost my house. I was going to the Panda Garden Buffet, which is now Carmelo's or the Sultan Kebab or whatever that kebab shop is on Emmett Street. I was stealing Chinese food from the lunch buffet, a $4.95 lunch buffet, and sliding it into Ziploc bags. And when I wasn't doing that, I was legitimately eating a double cheeseburger from McDonald's for a dollar and three cents every single day for six straight months. I was going to buddies' houses and lifting up sofa cushions to find change in the sofa seats without them looking so I could get that dollar three double cheeseburger. This is true. The second client I ever had in my entire life, the first client was Whimsies, the children's clothing store where we built them a brand new website, Jesse Lynn and her mom, Whimsies, when they were in North Barracks before they moved to Stonefield. That was a website where basically we lost money because I did it so cheaply, but I was so desperate to have a client and something in our resume. Then the second client we talked to was Andy McClure. Is Andy McClure watching this program? Andy McClure. And Andy McClure at the time was a University of Virginia graduate a few years older than me. He owned the Biltmore Grill on Alleywood. He owned the Virginian Restaurant. He owned three, which was Jabberwocky 3, the Greenskeeper. It's not there anymore. And he owned West Main, the restaurant on West Main Street, where the old Awful Arthur's was. Andy McClure had four restaurants. And I went to Andy McClure and I said, I want to build your brand for these four restaurants, the Virginian, West Main, Three, and the Biltmore. This was in 2008, like November, six months in. And for some reason, man, I will forever be grateful to Andy McClure. For some reason, Andy McClure said, you know what? I'm going to say yes to you on this project. And this project was, it was $2,500 a website, 10K total. And half of it was paid up front, and half of it was paid when the project was finished. That $5,000 upfront payment for those four websites, that brand build, changed my professional life. Maybe my life in totality. We kicked ass on this project. We gave, we designed and developed, I designed and developed four websites that surpassed his expectation. 10K in 45 days. And then he came to me and he said, I have an idea for a burger bar on the downtown mall. And that burger bar on the downtown mall, I want you to help me build this brand. Go to a two-shot. That burger bar was going to be called Union Burger Bar. And we offered consultation and said, maybe we should not call it Union since we're south of the Mason-Dixon line. Instead, it was called Citizen Burger Bar. We designed the logo. We built the website. And we did a 120-day social media and advertising campaign for Citizen Burger Bar. And that restaurant is one of the top-grossing restaurants in Central Virginia. And the success of launching Citizen Burger Bar, in a lot of ways, built this business into the behemoth that it is now. And now we have an advertising agency, a podcasting network, a real estate investment arm, a USPTO trademark, and a venture fund that's deployed $1.7 million in investor money to four businesses in the month of September alone. I will forever be grateful for Andy McClure. I was proud to go to his wedding and watch him marry Julie McClure, and I was so proud to see Andy and Julie and their daughter on Mother's Day at Mockingbird. A hundred years. And Stephanie Wells Rhodes, 100%. We love managing 
the Interstate brand alongside you. Can you imagine what you have to do to stay in business for 100 years? And granted, that was not all under Andy's watch. No, Andy told me a story one time. <clears throat> Andy went to the University of Virginia. I think he would be proud if I told this story on air. Andy went to the University of Virginia. And while at the University of Virginia, Andy McClure worked at the Virginian restaurant. And he worked at the Virginian as a bartender, as a waiter, as a cook. Are we on a one shot? Yeah. He worked there as a bartender, as a waiter, as a cook, as a host, as a bathroom cleaner, as a trash cleaner. He did every job at the Virginian. Andy did. And Andy, coming out of college, went to Wall Street and worked, at, worked on Wall Street. Andy is a brilliant man. A brilliant man, Andy McClure is. And he worked at Wall Street, worked on Wall Street. But he didn't have the passion for working on Wall Street in the finance business. So when the Virginian restaurant came up for sale, just after he graduated from the University of Virginia while he was working on Wall Street, he jumped at the opportunity to buy the Virginian. And he did a friends and family raise to, to drum up the funds to buy this restaurant. And he told me one time that when he first bought the Virginian, he was working every single job at the restaurant as an owner, taking out the trash, cleaning the toilets, bartender, line cook, host, waiter, doing everything. He was working so hard in such long hours, he often found himself sleeping in the booths at night because it made no sense for him to go from closing the bar at 3 in the morning or 3.30 or 4 in the morning to having to wake up the next day and get there at 8.30 so he would just sleep in the booths because he didn't have time to go home because that took away the few hours of sleep that he had. He told me one time he had a stack of checks this thick, like inches thick, checks made out for him, his pay where he could not deposit the checks in the early stages of owning the Virginian restaurant. He got a check, he put it in a pile. Got another check made out to himself, put it in a pile. Got another check for himself, put it in a pile. And he said the check, stack of checks was an inch, two inches thick, only checks made out to himself. Because you know what? Annie McClure runs a business the right way. He pays his staff before he pays himself. Staff, if your boss does it the right way, not the Hunter Smith way. Not your way, Hunter. But if you do it the right way, you pay your staff before you pay yourself. That's the right way to do it. Everyone wants to own a business. Everyone thinks business ownership is Shark Tank, Kevin O'Leary, Mark Cuban. Everyone thinks it's Damon John. Everyone thinks social media influencing is sexy. Get in front of a camera, talk about some food, post some photos then you realize you go months without depositing your paycheck. You want to be a social media influencer and you want to talk about politics and schools and current events and land use and zoning and taxes and who to vote for in school board races like I do? Well, you better have some effing thick skin because the keyboard jockeys and the dregs of society create phony meme accounts and try to offer nastiness to you online. But do you know what the difference is between the keyboard jockeys hiding behind fake accounts and somebody like an Annie McClure or somebody like me? People with our makeup, our DNA, our hustle and chutzpah, are only effing invigorated by it. It only encourages us to get up out of bed earlier and work harder and make even more of an empire. It's welcomed. It fuels the fire. You know what my favorite day of the week is? Monday. Literally. You know when I got to work today? 7.15 in the morning. 
bring it. Hundred year anniversary for the Virginian restaurant. Champion that. That's awesome. And another thing, I'll close on this. I want every, every business in this town to have ridiculously awesome success, even if we're not funding it, even if they're not renting from us, even if we're not promoting them on this network or managing their brand. I am a champion of success, everyone's success. I want people to be successful no matter if we're tied to them or not. I don't understand the mindset of being jealous or tearing down people for their success. I don't get it. I want everyone out there to have the most success they could possibly have. Because that's good for the community and that's good for the ecosystem and that's good for the region and that's good for the city and that's good for the counties. This mindset from people who tear people down because they're doing well financially or professionally or personally because they have a hot wife or a handsome husband or because their business is crushing it or because they have a big house or a fancy car, I don't get that mindset. And you know what? I eradicate that mindset from my life. There's no one in my life that embody those qualities. If I even see anyone having that quality ever, I cut them out. I literally won't read their comments. I will ignore them. I won't interact with them. I won't text them. They won't be in my social social circles. And that's we are who we surround ourselves with. We are who we surround ourselves with. And I'll close with this. You can't change the people around you, but you can change the people around you. I'll give that to you again. You can't change the people around you, but you can change the people around you who you hang out with. And lastly, I'm passionate about this. And if you want anything you got to say, Judah, jump in here. I'll close with this. If you look at the people in your inner circle and you don't feel inspired, then you don't have a circle, you have a cage. If you look at the people in your inner circle and you don't feel inspired by them, then you don't have an inner circle. You have a cage. For Judah Wickhauer, I'm Jerry Miller.